everybody. You're listening to What's Your Number? The podcast where we ask ourselves and others that age-old question, what's your number? In the hopes that telling these stories from our sexual past might help us get a little closer to understanding why we are the way we are. I'm Olivia, recording from Barcelona. And I'm Mariah, recording from New York City. to What's Your Number? Hello! We have a fun episode for you guys today. We are going to pass the Bechdel test. (laughs) And in so doing, talk about why we talk about men so much, aka the reason behind this podcast. Yeah, what is, why do we do the things we do? Um, Yeah, we've gotten asked a, a lot of questions like, you know, why tell the story of every person, every person we've ever been with. Like, why, why do that? Um, and, you know, what does it mean to reclaim the question, what's your number? Actually, nobody's ever asked us that, but we ask ourselves that right. all the time. <laughs> we wish people would ask. <laughs> <laughs> and the, another question we ask ourselves, do we ever get sick of talking about relationships? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's going to be the... how we structure the episode a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bechdel test, you know, just for to have some context and like to have for you all to have some fun facts for your next uh, dinner party. And then we're going (laughs) to kind of pivot into a conversation about the state of the podcast. Um, Yeah, because we haven't done that in a while and we've had some new listeners uh, lately. Welcome. So, yeah, we Welcome. just thought we would lay a little bit more groundwork and we're, we're also going to answer some of the questions that you guys have submitted over the past week. Yeah. And uh, just a quick reminder, if, if you like this podcast, um, we'd love to hear from you. If you like this episode in particular, we'd love to hear from you because we're kind of trying something a little bit different. Um, let us know your thoughts, write a review on um, Apple Podcasts because that helps us get discovered and helps us collect your feedback. Um, We would really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of collecting your feedback, um, we are still running that listener survey for a little while longer. So if if you haven't had a chance to respond, please do. We would so appreciate it. Um, As Mariah was saying, yeah, we're trying something a little bit different here. We're trying a few little different things and we kind of, we kind of need to know what you guys think. We need to know. Um, We do, we need to know. Thanks for everyone to everyone who's filled it out so far. It's been super helpful and um, it is linked in the show notes. Where else? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mariah, <laughs> can I? Linked in the show notes. Where else? I was just trying to think of a sassy comment to that, but no, that's that's where they'd be linked for it's sure. It's tattooed on my ass. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, Yeah, no, but actually I do want to just highlight the thank you to everyone who submitted so far. It's been really great to get your feedback and we do take it into account. Um, And yeah, we're we're really looking forward to um, getting more feedback as well. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Cool. So Mariah, can I tell you a little bit about the Bechdel test? Please do. I would love to hear anything that you would tell me about anything, but specifically the Bechdel test. (laughs) Isn't she sweet, folks? It's like what you said to Ryan the other day, you were like, I feel like you're being nicer to me because you're, because we're on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. He was, yeah, he was being pretty nice. I mean, first of all, it was nice of him to like stay up really late and record. super nice of him. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Just like it was nice of him to like, exit your bedroom like after he'd slept for like five hours this morning or something like that oh yeah that was also very nice of him like he's like asleep on the couch with earplugs in right now oh god yes (laughs) the things we do to the people we love um yes okay cool well we've already failed the Bechdel test oh yeah fuck (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god, uh, I know. Shit, yeah, it's really so hard for I us. am interested in hearing this um because I feel like I get really confused about what it is. So let's let's hear it. It's confusing. It's susceptibly simple, I think is basically what it comes down to. But yeah, um backing up a little bit. So the test comes from the cartoonist Alison Bechtel, who had this comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out For back in the day, in the 90s, I guess it was. Um, oh, nice. And one of the characters in that comic strip says um, to another one that she only watches movies that A, have women, B, that talk to each other, C, about something other than a man. Um, hmm. Yeah. Seems so pretty simple. Pretty pretty easy, and you would think, to pass. And yet, surprisingly, it really it's really hard for a lot of movies for many, many decades to ever pass that test or books or any number of things. Yeah, so the thing that kind of throws me off about this, I thought it was like they had to be talking to each other about something other than a man like the whole time. Like I thought like the whole right. scene or the whole interaction had to be a, like you couldn't talk about men. Couldn't talk about of, men. Yeah. But yeah, it, it turns out that vague. you can... You can talk about men as long as you talk about other things. I don't know. I think so. I mean, people say, for instance, that friends passes a Bechdel test. And they definitely, you know, the female characters in friends, like definitely talk about men sometimes. But they also talk about a lot of other things. It's kind of funny because it's like, I don't think that friends is like particularly feminist in any way, shape or form. It's Um, not. and yet it passes the Bechdel test. So I think it just goes to show we have these like weird gold standards for things that sometimes like really, you know, don't have that much like bearing on, yeah, the feminist quality of them. But yeah, well, that's what everyone says. Like any, <laughs> when I was doing some research on the on the history of it, everyone was like, don't think that just because something passes the Bechdel test that it's feminist. Like, I mean, this is yeah. so basic. Just the yeah. fact that it has women that talk to each other about something other than a man. But it's more just really crazy to see how many movies don't pass it and yeah. and haven't passed it. Like, it's only in the past, I don't know, uh, 10 years, I guess, that more yeah. than half the movies coming out past the Bechdel test. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, it's one of those things that I can see being, um, especially, I mean, I I know it doesn't go back as far as, you know, the 40s and 50s or whatever, but I can see it being like way more of an issue back in the day Mm -hmm. when everything was kind of filtered through men in our lives and like we didn't even work, you know, like that. Right. Being way more of a thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it kind of has me think. I'm like, okay, so it's a measure. And then it's like, it's a measure of what exactly? Like if we had to define that, mm-hmm. it's a measure of, you know, female characters getting to be complete humans. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, what would you, like, what would you say to that question? I would say, well... Bechtel says that the idea kind of came also from her friend Liz Wallace, who I guess was super into Virginia Woolf. And so her kind of explanation, I think, answer to your question would be that um, it's kind of gets at like what Virginia Woolf said in um, A Room of One's Own, which is that um, women in literature so often just exist in relation to a man, like they're a man's mother yeah. or they're a man's sister or love interest. So I guess if a movie passes or a book um, passes the Bechdel test or a podcast, it shows that that the <laughs> women in it are defined not by are defined by something other than their relationship to a man. Mm, okay. That is very interesting because a lot of times I've thought about, and I might be getting ahead of myself here, but I've thought about this podcast a lot as, you know, I think one one of the reasons we started it originally was we were, we realized as we were telling each other these stories that we were really telling like the story of our lives and kind of like, you know, we're a memoir of two well-traveled women. Right. Um, and that's, that's very interesting because it seems like we are 
very literally defining our lives through our relationships with men. Yes. Yes, Mariah. Yes. <laughs> and is it a problem? Shit. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I think it is a problem. I think one of the things that we are also trying to do is like maybe draw attention to that yeah. and, and turn it on its head a little bit as well. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, the thing about it is that it's also felt very empowering telling these stories from our point of view. So I guess the thing that Virginia Woolf was talking about is just so often you have a main character um, until Jane Austen, she basically said all the main characters in all books essentially were men. And you would only run into women as they were like related to that main character. What I would say about us and this podcast is at, at least, you know, we are the main characters of these stories. Yeah. Um, all right. the all the men that are, are in them are in relation to us, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. <clears throat> yeah, but a story, and a story about, like, for example, if it's like a romantic comedy about mm-hmm. a woman, yeah, like the whole movie is like about her getting, you know, finding right. her future husband. Sure. Like, does that pass the Bechdel test? Because no. like, maybe she'll be, you know, a main character who's quirky, you know, and imperfect, clumsy yeah. even. Yes. <laughs> Manic with a pixie haircut. <laughs> yeah. And and then, you know, she happens across this silly man who <laughs> she hates at first, but then, yeah. Um, but you're, okay, got it. So yeah. that does not pass the Bechdel test. Right. No, definitely, definitely not. She she has to have some other, some other um, interests. So yeah, no, I don't think our podcast passes the Bechdel test. I mean, if we're being really honest and and fair yeah. about it, um, I yeah, I fully, I fully get that. And I think it's funny how um, I just want to add one one other observation here about defining the Bechdel test. I think things take on additional meaning too. Sometimes we're just so literal. We're like, oh well, the first, you know. Alison Bechtel first defined the Bechtel test as this, mm-hmm. but then, you know, over time it becomes more and more, you know, um, it, it contains more meaning, it gathers more meaning over time. So, Definitely. so even though it seems very open-ended, you know, what we're really talking about is to your point that the woman is more, you know, exists on her own as, as her own person. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's... It, it's kind of one of those things where you we were you were talking about this um, right before we started recording, but just sort of how women are so relational, or you know, kind of um, relationships are supposed to be so important to us, and I think that that's that's o- that's okay, and that's obviously true for us. Um, but if you only have fully fledged female characters on the hunt for a man or like, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, in relation to their romantic lives, then they're still not, you know, fully fledged people, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Which I would argue, I mean, as main characters, we haven't developed that side of our personalities really. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, in in the story that we are creating about our sexual histories, like it is focused on our relationships yeah, um, with these men. And, you know, even though we are all obviously like fully fledged people who have, you know, careers and um, hobbies and other interests and other friendships, mm-hmm. we don't tell that part of it as much. Right. Right. And I think that that's because, you know, the podcast has a theme Right? I mean, it, it, people don't really come here to hear like career advice or <laughs> or to hear about our family drama, please you don't. know. Um, yeah, yeah, please don't come you, here to hear career advice. <laughs> they wouldn't, is the thing. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I think it, I think it gets to um, part of the issue that I have sometimes with the podcast, where I'm like, okay, sometimes I just I, I get I get a little tired of just telling about relationships because it feels like so like one dimensional sometimes. Yeah. Um, in terms of it's like, yeah, like we have so many other things going on in our lives. And, and so it just feels like, 
I don't know, like it's not an accurate representation of like who we are or even like our interests, you know, like we're right. interested in other things besides relationships. Right. Um, despite what it, what it might seem like. Um, but yeah, but this is also, you know, obviously the podcast is just one aspect of, of our lives. I mean, I think what's interesting when you, when you look at, you know, a chart of like the Bechdel test, um, over time or movies that have passed the Bechdel test over time, it's like you, I mean, my thought is, okay, it's fine that not every movie passes the Bechdel test, but most movies have to be passing it, right? I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's not like, okay, this is a terrible movie just because it's it doesn't pass this test. No, not right. every movie is going to have more than one woman talking. I mean, yeah. I guess, you know? Yeah, um, right. I don't know, like you could have a... Or the space to develop someone's character. You know, maybe they're just a supporting role or something, you know? Yeah, but it's like if women are only supporting roles, obviously, you know, in every single movie, then then that's that's a problem. Then there's a problem. But yeah, yeah, I yeah, one hundred percent. What I what I don't like is when things are like overly forced. Mm-hmm. Too. I love that. Like, I mean, I, it feels like more and more there are more movies and and um, TV shows that are about. People like minorities groups, mm-hmm. um, and and like and women. Um, but what I don't like is when it's like over. There should be another type of Bechdel test for this that focuses on, um, for example, a queer person talking to another queer person about something other than being queer. Oh yeah, that they do do that. They've they use oh, the okay. Bechdel test for for everything now. Apparently. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great. Good idea. Good idea. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Great idea. <laughs> Because I, that is something that really bothers me. I mean, and there's also, okay, there should also be a Bechdel test for feminist stuff because what kind of gets annoying too as a woman is every movie about, you know, with a female character that isn't about men is about her being a feminist. Or, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it's like, mm-hmm. can, can't we just like be allowed to live our lives and, and be characters who go through these events and these conflicts without having it be like trying to make a point about, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like if if there's no room for you to just have um, fully developed women characters without making some kind of a point, then yeah, all of those movies are going to be making a point or even if they're not trying to make a point, the way that they're perceived and and the conversation around them is going to become political. Just like all the pressure, like, I don't, I think this is what you're referring to, but like all the conversation that there was around bridesmaids or something like that. It was like, yeah, this movie is going to change comedy forever because it's going to acknowledge that women are funny. It's like, okay. Um, Yeah. Another thing is if there's only one movie like that, then but then that's the conversation that there's going to be. There's never any conversation when a movie is all men because that's just pretty normal. Or yeah, what has like totally. one woman in it, you know? It's it's a, a good example Shirley is Saren. Ocean's 11. I was just going to say, yeah. Versus Ocean's 13, right? Uh-huh. Ocean's 11 and 12 are male characters. Right. And that whole movie is about them, you know, like doing a heist, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole movie. Ocean's 13 is about women being badasses who do a heist. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's about their, yeah. them being women, essentially. Right. It's yeah, the same but, exact but, story, but they're women. Yeah, but that's because, I, you know, I think that um, there's something that Roland Barth talks about, which is like like the invisibility of, of the, the oppressor. Uses a different of hegemony, I guess. Anyways, the point is that basically, when someone's is has all the power because they're a man or because they're white or anything like that, that signifier, like that, the reason that's underlying their their power in a society gets erased, and they just become like another a person that doesn't really have an identity. Which is why white men don't their identity doesn't really come into the conversation when they're robbing a bank. Yeah. You know, it's just like oh. 
that's because they're robbing, you know, they're they're pulling off this amazing heist. <laughs> right. But as soon as as soon as the the identity is that of someone who has less power in a society, we can't we we just end up focusing all of our attention on that on their identity. Yeah. But yeah, like like with, you know, male shooters or something, like you know, like school shooters. It's almost always white men, but we don't really talk about that because again, like white men don't really they get to live identity free, I guess, is the thing. Yeah. Um imagine a woman goes in and, you know, does something like that. People would be talking about her gender, like that would be the whole conversation. They'd be like the first <laughs> They'd be like a victory for <laughs> womankind, you know, the first female shooters. <laughs> so dark, right? It's so, so dark. dark. It's um, so dark, but that's yeah. what we'll know. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, anyway. It's very fucked up. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, but it's so real though. Um, yeah. So I don't know. What, what do you think is the reason that we're telling the story of every person we've ever been with and, limiting our personhood to this aspect of our of our lives. <laughs> great, great question. Um, I, I think I would say my biggest reason for being interested in it was, I mean, I think anybody could could go through this exercise, like not just women. Um, mm-hmm, definitely. But, you know, when you start having sex at age 15 and then you live in like a modern society and, you know, have a fair amount of hookups it really does like tell the story of our lives. Yeah. You know, what's the longest period of time that we've like gone without having sex so far? I mean, we've hit like every phase in life. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's that's my interest in it. I mean, I think also at first, like I think to your point earlier, there's a cathartic aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, yeah. Honestly, the other part is I was just truly interested in hearing your stories. Yeah, same, same. I I think when we were just telling each other these stories at the beginning of the pod, or not at the beginning of the podcast, before the podcast, um, just as two friends, it you know, it was it was just so fun. It was mostly yeah. It was that it was cathartic to be telling the stories, and it was just really fun and interesting to be hearing yours. Um, mm-hmm. And it seemed like other people deserve the chance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, maybe do you think that we arrived at being able to have these conversations because there's so many movies where women are talking about men? I, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is do you can you imagine two two cis like straight guys sitting down and having this podcast? I, I mean, do they have any models? <laughs> <laughs> where like there's just two male characters they don't have names and they're just talking about the woman in the room like oh my gosh what is she like <laughs> um yeah I I sorry there's like a siren in the background um one thing that comes to mind um just right off the bat is a there's other women who came before us in the podcasting world who started mm-hmm. telling you know their um sexual experiences in the podcast form. Um, And the other thing that comes to mind is just that I think one reason why I have really enjoyed it and why I have felt like the desire to want to take ownership over these stories is because like I get to be the main character. Mm -hmm. In me telling these stories, like I do get to have that moment of being recognized as a whole person and and I get to tell my side of the story and I get to hear your side of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, which does feel empowering, yeah. From a, from a feminist standpoint, I know we're talking about our experiences with men, but we are talk and and women, but we're also, yeah, we're we're putting ourselves in the in the speaker's uh, perspective rather than having them just tell about their experiences with us or or whatever, you know. Yeah. No, definitely. I think it's. I mean, they say that just telling stories and getting, you know, getting to think about them, reframe them, structure them, and, like, voice them is just, 
incredibly um, therapeutic. And I mean, I do think that so many of these stories were things that I've carried around with me for so long and, you know, kind of felt some of them, some of them felt bad about, felt shame about and things like that in a way that's just kind of like dissipated since I've been able yeah. to tell the, tell the story. Because there's a, a power to, I mean, something we talk about a lot is, is how, how empowering it feels to, um, to really get to tell completely your version of events and have the person that you're telling it to, which is like, in my case, you, really just accept your experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that previously related to sex before, like the female sex sex podcast trope became a thing. Yeah. I think a lot of it was kind of told through from the male perspective. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like in porn, in movies, mm -hmm. in, you know, in so many different pieces of media, you hear more about it from the male perspective, like the sex scene where they just, you know, flip them around and, and just start going at it, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like a like woman there's does not no foreplay. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is, that's not my fantasy. That's my nightmare. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, uh, God. I mean, I don't know. I think, it, I do wish kind of that I mean I think that you know the answer to all of these things is not just it, it's always a two-pronged approach right because it's always like women being able to you know tell um like tell these stories and tell other stories about themselves that are not about just about their relationships I think it's also about men being able to talk more about their relationships too. Um, I would love to hear this version of a, a podcast that was two men. Like, if it were oh sensitive God, yes. and like interesting, obviously it would have to. Be, it wouldn't just be like conquests or, or something like that. But it would have to be good episode but idea. I, I would, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would love to hear like just like what happened and. And what they thought about it and, and shit. But I don't I don't see that happening. I mean, I think we could we could maybe like engineer it. But, but I mean, yeah. I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm like I'm wondering, I'm like, how could we I wonder how the conversation would go without like one of us present to kind of, you know, stoke the fires a little bit. Um Yeah, because I don't know. Do men talk? No, I know. I know they do, but gosh, it just seems like not that much. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm now my my uh my wheels are turning a little bit here. I'm I'm kind of thinking my gears are turning. I'm thinking about um how we can engineer this. Let us know if this is something you'd be interested in, let me just say because I personally would find it fascinating. I would love it. Yes. If you are a man and you know a man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I I definitely feel that everybody should have this opportunity to get to tell their story and, and have somebody like recognize, okay, that was your experience. Like it that is completely valid. Mm -hmm. And you know, a, a lot of the times um with stories that we tell, at least stories that I tell, I don't remember every single detail and so I'm just like I'm just telling it to you like the way I remember it. Right. Um, it's not going to be true to the, to the note. Like it, it wouldn't pass. There's probably so many holes that you can poke in some of these stories. If I were to sure. bring on somebody who had been there as well, they would a lot of times be able to say, oh, I didn't say that or I didn't do that or whatever, you know? Oh, but yeah. It was my memory of the experience. They teach this in memoir writing. It's true in the sense that it happened. Like this is your experience of it. Yeah. It's true yeah. to your experience. Right. No, for sure. I feel like number one and I didn't even agree. Like when we were still dating, we forgot. Or we didn't even agree where we'd had our first kiss or something like that. I don't know. Oh, just really? Like a lot of, yeah. Like one of us said it was one place. One of us said it was another. I can't remember the details of the argument or or something. But yeah, I mean, which is just to say like, 
a lot of things, a lot of things are up in the air. Or with, or with my partner, sometimes I'll just be like, yeah, because then this happened. And he's like, no, I never said that. It's like, yeah, yeah you did, you know? But, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously I'm right in that situation. But the point is, it's all just memories. But, yeah. um, yeah, I was just thinking for the, Be- like, what if there was a Bechdel test that's like, the two, if there's two men, then they have to talk about, like, they have to talk about their feelings. <laughs> they have to talk about, if they're oh straight gosh. characters, they have to talk about a woman. Yeah. Yeah. They ha- I, I like the having to talk about their feelings part. <laughs> I'll only watch movies where there's two men who talk to each other about something, about something emotional. <laughs> Yes, I love it. That would be so good. That would be so good would be for good. like people to see how you do that. Anyways. Um, straight up, if you are a listener and you are a man and you want to have this conversation with another man about something other, like something, you know, emotional, whatever, what have you, please get in touch because honestly, I... I I guess I'd have to check this out with Olivia off offline, but um, I think that we would be happy to air it. Oh yeah, for you. we would air it. We would air the shit out of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we might dissect it later. Um, <laughs> yeah, we could talk about what what was up for dissection yeah. grabs. Um, yeah, amazing. Okay, well, yeah, please please get back to us about that because um, that would be amazing. Mariah, do you want to answer some? some questions that people have submitted? Sure. Let's do it. That was a long pause. <laughs> are you, are you sure? <laughs> no, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. I was just, I was just taking a look at the time here. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely very happy to answer um, any listener questions. I would just say also just in general, I mean, I know we, we put out a call for um, questions an episode or two ago and we would love, if you have more questions and you continue to send them in, like we would love to periodically answer them. So so please continue to send them in. Um, I'm an open book, so. <laughs> um, amazing. Okay, I've just said amazing like five times amazing. in the last amazing apparently that's a very millennial habit (laughs) I'm sure I'm sure um (laughs) we were taught that if it wasn't amazing then it wasn't good enough um (laughs) right okay let's take um I'll just pick one from our, our list here and then I'll I'll let you pick the next one if you want um Okay, so what is something that you used to put up with in relationships when you were younger that you wouldn't stand for anymore? Oh, God. Great question. I would say um, um, being emotionally unavailable. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I just, I'm just like, I'm just that girl and I just need to be able to have conversations with you without you like gaslighting me or acting like I'm being crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, I also think like I, another thing I've, I've thought in, in my current relationship versus, and, and I shouldn't say even current, but like my last two relationships or three relationships versus yeah. like back in the day. Um, I think I used to put up with a lot less like communication in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember getting upset about like ex-boyfriends not texting me enough. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Which, like, For sure. I remember in number five when when he'd be gone. Yeah, he he would. He just. I felt like he didn't do a very good job of of being like, you know, sending me a text like, oh hey, thinking about you, whatever. Right now, you know, Ryan and I, we can be apart for like. I mean the last like four days or something, I I wasn't that responsive to him, but we still, it's like we check in. We're like, hey, sorry, I didn't get a chance to talk to you today, but I love you. Hope you have a great day tomorrow. You know, nothing, right. it's like not, doesn't feel forced at all. It never feels forced. And I'm never like, oh my God, he's not texting me back. Right, right. Even if he doesn't text me back for like eight hours, you know? Sure, sure, sure. No, yeah, that's a really good one, actually. I think... For me, it was a lot of just people not texting me back about plans, like more people that I was dating because then in relationships with, yeah. I, you know, I think for me, I was dating more than I was 
in relationships most of the time. And it would just be that, but that would be so, that would be so so obnoxious. Yeah. Um, I hate that. The not, the no text bag, like. Fucking hate it. Power mode, whatever that is. Yeah. I fucking hate that. And I don't put up with that shit anymore. Mm -mm. No, no. Would not put up with that shit. No. I'm not going to play guessing games. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great one. I would say for me, um, I don't put up with people being mean to me <laughs> anymore. <laughs> that's a big one for me. That's a big leap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a big win. Um, yeah. Just like being assholes, being assholes in general, I think too, because you know, it can be a slippery slope. Like, okay. So he was an asshole to his mom or like, he wasn't, you know, um, but he's nice to me. Yeah. You know, that kind of makes me feel special or whatever. I overheard a, a conversation with, yeah, just these people that I know. Anyway, the who were quite a bit younger than me. And this the guy was just like talking total shit about his mom. And at some point she was just like, yeah, you can't talk about your mom like that. And I was, I was like a proud moment. I was like, yeah, that's. That's right, yeah. Because it's only a matter of time before that comes back to you, you know? Yeah. Assholery, I guess. Yeah, assholery. <laughs> and I, I feel like I can tend, I can be an asshole sometimes. Um, I mean, we can all be assholes sometimes. Well, sure. but, but like, I think what you want is just overall there, you know, respectful of other humans is, is definitely a standard that you yeah. want to reach. Yeah. <laughs> We yeah. have very high standards these days. Oh gosh, I know. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, compared to how they used to be, like this is pretty crazy. Yeah, pretty crazy. It's funny how there's, um, I think people humans are so good at picking up on the subtleties. You know, just thinking back to the text conversations thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not like I demand a lot of texting from my boyfriend, but for some reason I just feel like he will always like be there if I need him. Yeah. So I don't feel the stress about it. Whereas previous relationships, it was, you know, we probably text a similar amount, but it was just more like, I felt like he wouldn't get back to me or he wouldn't be there if I, if I needed him. Right. I think the same can be true for what you just said about, you know, the assholery. It's like, it's this weird you can just tell when someone's kind of disrespectful. Right. Yeah. When they make a habit of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Anything else? Um, I think that would be my my big one. But yeah, I agree. I agree with those. Those are good ones. Yeah. I don't know. I think weirdly, like the the being cheated on. Mm-hmm. Thing is, is something I'm I'm more like flexible about these days. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's something that I I feel like I, what I realize more is that you know people make mistakes and you know nobody's perfect and you know there are going to be mis- yeah big mistakes that happen in a relationship and it doesn't necessarily mean that um, you know like it's obviously not something you want to put up with long term but i guess what i'm trying to say is i think it seemed like a bigger deal when i was younger and then now that you're older you think okay you know people just go through different phases and um yeah it doesn't always match up with someone's intentions you know yeah yeah it's interesting i mean i think you get a bit more um realistic about it and i think we get better at forgiving people maybe yeah. um I think that there's a lot of kind of bullshit out there about how like you have you can't forgive people for certain things or you have right. You know, I don't know, and it's really just like the, rules. the situation. I think you just can base it on the situation that you're in. You know, there there are some things that you're maybe you can't forgive, but if you have it in your heart to forgive someone, then you should absolutely. And yeah. I mean, and no one should tell you, no one should come and tell you that's not something that you can forgive. Like, you know, it's like, no, actually, right. I found it inside and I can, so I'm going to. Yeah, totally. I mean, Esther Perel, um, she's, I'm I'm sure a lot of you have heard heard her name, but she's like this famous um, therapist who wrote a book called Mating, Mating in Cap- Captivity. 
Um, and she talks a lot about basically how two people who are in a relationship, um, if if they become like one person, it kind of mm-hmm. kills the sexual relationship. Right. And it makes people, and she talks a lot about infidelity and how um, it's really, not that it's not a big deal, but that it's something that you can work through. Mm-hmm. And that really resonates because I think there's something very like puritanical about seeing infidelity as this like hardcore deal breaker. I mean, not to be like, it's not to say that I don't think that it's, I mean, a fucking deal breaker. And, you know, I'd be pissed if that happened in my relationship, of course. But I guess I just see it as uh, not like this, this automatic, you should get divorced thing. Right, right. Yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think, yeah, like my view has become less simplistic on that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, maybe another thing that has changed slightly for me is that um, I used to not think, sorry, this is a totally different subject, um, but it just occurred Go to for me. It. I is I used to think that it didn't matter as much that we wanted the same things um, in life. I think maybe because things were so open-ended for me, I was kind of like, well, we'll figure it out. And I think at this point, you know, if we can't agree on a shared vision maybe of where we're going and what we want, doesn't mean that that can't change. Um, And people do change and that's really hard for relationships. I think like when what you want in life changes, which is why I think, it's more important to me now than it was in the past, like getting on the getting on the same page or just at least like trying to understand where someone sees themselves in the future and if that's the future that you would want. Yeah, because I think you start realizing you're like, well, I don't want to invest more of my time into something that I don't see being part of my future because you're like, I don't know, I guess you just realize that I think back in the day for me, I would stay in those relationships because I would be like, oh, well, because I really care about this person. And I think now I realize like there are so many people I could really care about. If we don't see a shared vision, I might as well just like move on to the next, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also that you realize that when you are in that situation, that you are living a life that you don't want to live, it's so painful and awful and the relationship doesn't end up working anyways. Um, That it's it's just kind of, there's really no point, even if you did kind of want to sacrifice yourself and what you wanted in life for the relationship. I mean, obviously compromises, you have to make compromises and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. again, as I said, people do change their minds about things. But those changing your mind moments are so critical and sometimes fatal for a relationship. I think that's something I appreciate more now than I used to. Yeah, because I'm going to springboard off of that and say something um, I used to put up with that I don't put up with anymore is the ability to kind of work through things together. Mm -hmm. And like... I guess, and I think a huge part of that is self-awareness and being open to personal growth Mm -hmm. for both people in the relationships. And kind of like to your point, it's like, you know, you're going to hit a snag. How are you going to handle that? You know, I just don't think the relationship really has much longevity if both people aren't willing to be like, okay, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm going to, you know, try to do better next time. And that's how you work through stuff. Like that's literally how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be able to be like humble enough to say when you fucked up or like to acknowledge, okay, this is what you need. I'm going to try to offer you that or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. And th- there's like a certain amount of commitment that goes into that, I think, as well. A certain amount of yeah. being comfortable with attachment. Right. Right. Exactly. Which is something... It's relatively new for me, I would say. And yeah, just so much of my life, I feel like I was such an independent unit, you know? I just kind of went where I wanted to go and I did what I wanted to do. So I didn't spend a ton of time thinking about 
is this what this other person wants, you know? And should that should that influence how much time or energy I'm willing to put into them? I was kind of like, no, it doesn't really matter what they want because I'm going to, you know, I'm just doing my own thing anyways, I guess. But what I realize yeah. now looking back is just that that was a way to never really form a, a super solid attachment with somebody, which is fine. Mm. But if it's what yeah. if it's what you want, then it's probably more important. Like you were never willing to kind of say like, okay, I'm going to work through this with you or, or like anytime there was trouble, you'd kind of like run away or? Yeah, I, I think that and just I didn't really... I didn't really suss people out very well, like at the beginning to just be like, would we want the same things at all mm. in, in life? Like, mm-hmm. are you worth like working things through with, I guess? Like, I feel like yeah. I was like a step before that, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Should we do one more? One or two more? Sure. Yeah. I think we have time for one more. Um, which one? I'm going to let you pick one. I picked that one. Let you direct this. Oh, okay. You want me to pick one? I, well, I picked it. I can pick another one, but it wouldn't be yeah, fair. I, yeah, I was just going to say I was going to let you be the MC on this one, but oh, um, I can totally... Okay. okay, yeah, okay. pick one. Great, great, great. great. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't care either. Uh, okay, would either of you ever consider an open relationship? Juicy, juicy. Mm. Oh God. Um, yeah, I totally would. I would not do polyamory. There's Um, no way in hell I could do polyamory. Um, okay. I think, I think there's very little possibility I could, I could feel, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm sounding very against it. I just feel like I don't want to maintain multiple relationships at once personally. I'm just laughing to myself because I remember in the first draft of us recording this the, these podcasts you had said at one point you're like basically I feel like the next relationship I'm in is gonna have to be polyamorous <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious I mean I feel like it's one of those things that as a concept I totally agree with now that I'm in a relationship with somebody that I like really love and can see myself being with for a really long time it's I'm I'm definitely down for open I just mm-hmm. don't want to have to maintain multiple relationships Right. Okay. I see. And you, and what that's about how the I see polyamory. Yeah. 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 I, I would agree. What about the other person? Like, can the other person have more than one relationship? Or, like, as soon as something would get kind of serious with someone else that they were seeing, like, that would, that would be it for you. Like, they would need to end it. Um, yeah. I don't think I would. With how I, with where, I mean, I feel like I can use my current relationship as an example. Like Ryan feels like he wants to have, like he wants to kind of have more sexual experiences. Uh Honestly, I think, I think a part of it is stuff that we talked about in the episode that we just recorded. Like he feels like he is sort of wants to have more experiences, kind of like what I had, you know, like I think a part of me feels like I've, hooked up with so many people. <laughs> this is going to sound douchey, but I just don't feel the urgency around it. Yeah. I think what I can see myself wanting to do would be to like have a threesome or hook up with a woman or, you know, something a little bit more like situational that I can't get from my current relationship. Yeah. I don't know that I see myself feeling the need to like go date a bunch of men. Right. Like just like go out on one-on-one dates with men. Like sure, but I think the gray area for me is that... um I like I think for Ryan I think he wants to just have random hookups with people and I do think that it's like purely like physical for him yeah. like cuz I mean honestly guys do have not to say that women don't that don't have this but um guys you know with all the testosterone you know I think they do have like this like primal need sometimes to just like fuck you know not saying that women don't have that what? Um, I don't know the, dude I feel like everybody we all need to fuck right we're all trying to no, have babies we, we all totally do. The thing that makes me, that really highlights this for me is um, is kind of the gay male scene a little bit. So um, mm. I have a friend in New York and I mean, New York has like a huge like 
gay male community, which is awesome. Um, but you know, a lot of them are in like open relationships, and of course, not everyone. That's I don't want to generalize in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I feel like there is this kind of like testosterone heavy, like it can it's it can be very physical, right? Like there's not there's not like you know feelings attached, and um, women. Of course, I, there's a lot of women for whom there's like no feelings attached. Mm-hmm. Totally fair. Um, but I do think that there is something to this like higher testosterone thing. Interesting. I mean, I know what you're referring yeah. to. Obviously, like the, yeah, differences in cultures. Um, but like sexual cultures, if that's something you can say. I just, I, I don't know. I really don't know if it's um, quote unquote natural or hormonal or or what, um, or if it's more social or, or I I really don't know. I couldn't say, um, but yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I feel like a lot of our, I mean. It's it's just confusing sometimes with women. I think in our in our libidos. I mean, um, it it's it's just there's so much social stuff going on. There's like hormonal birth control. There's just how we've been socialized. I don't know. There's a lot of things that kind of keep keeps can keep our like officially our our libidos in check. I guess, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. I, I think that I, I don't know the reasoning behind it, but for, I guess for whatever reason, like just to you know bring it back to my own experience, I think for me, I don't think it was ever just like purely physical. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was always like a relational piece for me, mm-hmm. and I think you know if, if if I'm just like need to get off, then I just like masturbate. You know, right? Uh-huh. I, I understand yeah, yeah. the like wanting to touch people and and kind of and I think. And I think that there's also the sense of like wanting to have experiences, you know, like that totally makes sense. Um, anyway, I think what I'm saying is like for me right now, like I don't feel the need to just like randomly hook up with people because I'm like having great sex in my relationship. So it, right. for me, and I also feel like I've had a ton of like experiences around that. Right. So unless it was like kind of a novel experience, I don't think, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. Like, I would totally, you know, um, I'm sure Ryan and I at some point will like open up our relationship and like the parameters we've talked about are when we're out of town, like when we're apart. Right. Um, and I can totally see myself like sure, like going on a date or something. But I think Ryan has been more like, I'm down to just like hook up with people. But like he doesn't feel, and I've kind of said like for me, I'm like, I, the thing I have a hard time getting comfortable with is you having an emotional relationship with somebody. Right. And he's like, he's like, I do not need that. That's not what I'm trying to have, you right. know? Right, right. Um, whereas I feel kind of differently about that mm-hmm. unless it's like a novel experience. Because I, I just feel like I've had enough anonymous, like random sex that I'm just like, I don't, it's just not going to be as good as the sex we have. And, yeah. you know, you know, I like hook up sex. Like, it's like, I've done that. I've done that. I don't, you know. Yeah, yeah, I feel you there. I don't need to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying never, but um, yeah, and I'm and I'm sure we like will experiment, but it just feels like a little bit of a different, like it doesn't feel urgent to me. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I don't really have that, so I don't really have like a very strong opinion on on this at the moment. I mean, I have been in open relationships, and I think that um, it was really good for for me. I, I don't I don't know if it was good for our relationship, but I think it was. Um, in retrospect, just I think it would have been too hard to do it any other way. Um, and I've definitely wanted open relationships <laughs> with people yeah, that didn't same. want them. Um, yeah, same. And so, yeah, I think um, I I am pro, like, you know, given the situation, I'm definitely open to, open to openness. I, I and I kind of agree with you on the, on the, polyamory side I don't see myself at least at this point in time needing more than one I I feel like one relationship is is a lot for me personally right um but 
But yeah, I mean, I wonder what what people like would say to that. Um, you know, I guess it's just kind of how you want to spend your time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. But we I have can this see podcast, so like I just don't really <laughs> see this. Right. I can kind of see things changing as I get older. You know, if 10 yeah. years down the line, Ryan and I don't have kids, you know, I have more time. I can I can see that kind of shifting. Yeah. Um I think one thing that really changes things is when you live with your partner. Mm-hmm. Then it just, it feels like it's like way harder. Like I think I've had quote unquote open relationships. I mean, back in the day when I was like in college or just when you're hooking up with somebody and like hanging out with them a lot, but like also hooking up with other people, right? Right. It just feels like a way different dynamic when it's with someone that you live with and spend a lot of your time with. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I've yeah. only done it when we were living in different places. I've only done it in long-term relationships. Yeah, that's true. You, ha- you had long, yours in sorry, college and that worked well. Long-distance relationships, yeah. Long-distance. So that's the thing. I can only kind of see it working long-distance for me right now. Although yeah. in the future, I say I'm not interested in polyamory. I think that applies to right now because really in the future, I could maybe see myself being open to it. Yeah, 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 for sure. I want to have like a rum springer, like every seven years or something, you know, just like, just like take like the summer off <laughs> and just be like, okay, see you in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. It would be great. I mean, I think spending time apart is good for relationships. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, especially if that, you know, you both need to grow. I mean, Ryan and I talked about like this winter spending, a, you know, like two or three months apart or something and like him traveling and I'm, you know, going and, you know, having like, I feel like part of it is like he wants to like travel and be free and have those experiences. And I had those experiences, not that I never right. want them again, but I've had them and I totally understand that feeling. Like mm-hmm. I, I I very much understand that, you know, you want to be present Part of that is not being like, I have to go call my girlfriend or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like feeling a little bit of autonomy. And I also think like individual growth is really important. And sometimes like sex is part of that. Mm-hmm. Like we're, yeah. we're like living proof of that, you know? Um, yeah. But I think it all is just... <laughs> right. No, but seriously, yeah. I, I've, grown, I've grown a little bit more with each dick I've sucked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I, I don't, um, I think it's just very situational. Yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree. I agree. Right but now it, I feel all myself. All you can say is like what you're into in the moment, I think, with these things. You know, yeah. I think it's always a mistake right. to be like, I would never, or I, I don't, I will always, you know, any, I, I just think that you can really only speak to what's going on for you yeah. right now. Oh yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, I think that um, right now where I'm at with it is I really don't want to feel like my partner has emotional relationships with other yeah. people. Hmm. Yeah. That are also romantic. It just feels too threatening, too like scary. Yeah. I, I think I just feel, yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, it just feels like I want all of his attention in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, How no, about me you? too. Yeah. No, definitely. It it would just it would it would like indicate a huge shift in our relationship, I think. Like we're very enmeshed at the moment. And I, I think that to be honest, um, last last thing I'll say, I think that that is probably important for me if I ever do want to get to the point where I can have like a polyamorous relationship. Um, I think that having that foundation is going to be pretty important. Mm-hmm. Just feeling like, okay, we had our time where it was just us two. And I know we have a really strong foundation, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I think it's going to have to be like a gradual thing for me. Um, but I, I also just don't feel strongly. Like I think some people like see it, like they are like, I need to have this ability. Like you right. know, Sarah Stroh, the woman we interviewed. Um, yeah. But I, I don't feel like that is the case for me. I feel like I'm not I'm not closed off to the idea, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe steps. Yeah. No, I would agree. I would agree. 
for sure. Cool. Well, thanks you guys for submitting these questions. Um, anything that we didn't cover today, please feel free to hit us up and we will be sure to cover it on the next Q&A. Amazing. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Um, yeah, we will catch you next time. Baby, if you want me, come and get me. I swear I'll make it easy on my eyes is what you are. And I don't care who knows. It Thanks for listening to What's Your Number. This episode was produced by Olivia and Mariah. Music is by No Fancy. Editing and mastering by Lightning the Cavern Works. You can learn more about us and check out our blog at whatsyournumberpod.com. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, leave us a review wherever podcasts are found and subscribe to hear about more sexcapades. <laughs>